what is going on world this is eric d seals and you are listening to a filmmaker's guide to freelancing uh i don't know what episode this is because when i started recording episodes you know i had an original idea then i would edit it and then i didn't like what i wrote i didn't like what i recorded then i swapped the order and so my whole order is off so i feel like it's not going to be till i get to like episode eight nine or ten until um I have a, a better understanding of what episode we're actually on, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening, and I'm excited about this topic that we're talking about today. Uh, I, I took this idea from my wife, actually, because uh, she heard me say it on a call, and she said, you need to make a podcast about that. This episode is called, It's More Than Just Pressing Record. It's more than just pressing record because a lot of times when people hire you, that's all they're focusing on. They're not focusing on pre-production. They're not focusing on production. Um, they're not focusing on post-production as an entirety, as a whole. They're just looking at, you're going to come press record, and I'm going to get my video. They're not thinking about all the things that go into a, a project to make it work. And I'm going to go through that, that, that list and that process because if you think about the entire process when you're working on a project, you're going to be far and above your competition because that's what gets you rehired okay so i feel like most of most problems occur on a project when there's bad planning you know we we sometimes don't find out what those problems are until later in production and and post production or when the client is playing the video on their website theater at a showroom wherever the video is playing a lot of those problems, we, we find them out later, but it could have been corrected in pre-production. And so that's why, hands down, the most important phase of a video production process is the planning. That's where you set the standard for everything else that you're going to be doing, and it's where you actually win. A lot of people think you win when you get on set and... You know, actually, when you get on set, that's when all the fun is. Everybody's there. You got cameras, you got lights, you got talent. You might have a makeup artist. You got the sound guy with the big boom. You know, you got the clapper. There's so many things going on during production, but that's just part of it. If it wasn't planned correctly, if it doesn't have the steps and guides and, and, and procedures for what you need to do in post-production, it's almost a waste of time. And so I like to spend the most amount of time in pre-production because if you do pre-production correctly, everything else will fall into place. If I had to pick the strongest process or the strongest team, it's the planning team and it's the, it's the pre-production team. Uh, and as an editor, that's how I started my career. I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I think editors are the most talented because they're the most talented because I feel like they see what went wrong in a project. They can see if the production wasn't good. They can see if the planning wasn't good, the writing, the scripting, the outline, the shot list. Is it cohesive? And I say that because as an editor, a lot of people would give me crap projects and expect me to fill in the holes for the things that weren't planned for earlier. And as an editor, I never liked that because I want to be creative 
to be creative. I don't want to be creative to fill in holes. Now, sometimes it has to happen. You know, no project can go perfect, but an editor sees everything. That's the last stop on the list of, of crew that touches the project before it goes out. And so as an editor, I saw a lot of things go wrong. And so I always felt when I started my own production company, we were going to put more effort in the planning because then it would make the job of the editor easier. And a lot of people don't know this. If you make the job for the editor easier, the video project is going to be completely just insane. It's going to be out of this world because they have everything that they need. So I talk about pre-production. I talk about planning. But what does that consist of? I'm glad you asked. So one of the first things that you need to do in this process and not just pressing record in this process is you need to have a kickoff meeting with your client. This kickoff meeting is a really important step in everything that you're doing because it gets, number one, it starts the project off with an official launch. You know, sometimes projects, you know, you lean into them, they slowly start, you know, they send you something here, they send you something there. But when you have a kickoff meeting, that gets everybody excited to say this project is starting and we're about to finish it in in however many days, weeks, months, whatever it might be. But your client isn't going to necessarily say, when is our project kickoff call? That is something that you're going to have to institute. And most clients are excited. They're spending money with you. They're uh, you know giving you their time and energy. And so when you say, let's have a production kickoff call or a project kickoff call, they're going to be like, let's do it. And so when you have this, this call, this is an opportunity to get your ideas written down. You know, so my team, we put a little creative development together. It has, you know, everything that we're thinking, how it's going to look. And that's a great time to find out if the client likes it or not. I always try to make as many edits and revisions on paper than when we get in the field start recording, get in the edit room because it costs more money later down the road. And if you can find out that, you know, maybe you had an idea of you want to do drone photography or you want to do drone shots or gimbal shots, and then you find out your client doesn't like that, you're saving time and energy. And so that kickoff call is is really important. It also gives the client the ability to get their ideas uh, into the project at an early phase. You know, sometimes... Clients don't give you your ideas until you're on set. You may not have brought that piece of equipment. You might not have had that type of team. You might not have put that much effort uh, into the planning for post-production. And so you want to get everything out on the client kickoff call. That's one of the most important calls that you can have. Once we started doing that as a company and when I was doing that as a freelancer, it really made a lot of the of the project uh, uh, just much simpler because we got everything out at the very beginning. The next thing that's really important that a lot of people don't do, and I wasn't doing it for a long time, is setting a schedule for the whole entire project. When these clients are hiring you, you know, sometimes they want their video completed in an unrealistic timeline. Or uh, sometimes they don't have any idea of when it's going to be completed and they want to work on it forever. Both of those are bad for you. And so if you go to that client kickoff meeting, if you start the project with a schedule 
not only for the day you're shooting, that's where we make a lot of mistakes. A lot of people just do it for the, the shoot day, but it should be when you're going to get your assets from the client. And we'll talk about that you know, momentarily. Uh, when you're going to you know, submit your creative development, your question list, um, when you're having a production day, uh, call sheets, uh, you should have, and especially for, for post-production, that's hands down, you want to have a schedule for that. The goal for having that schedule is so that you can know when the project is starting and ending because you don't want projects to go forever. You want the client to know when they're going to say this is completely done. And sometimes it looks it's daunting to look at that schedule because there's a lot of steps. But I found that it's better to write out those steps and put dates on them so that there are expectations on both ends. I think a lot of the time when we think of expectations and dates and due uh, deadlines, we only expect what we're sending back to the client. But for you to be successful, you need stuff from the client. And so if you put responsibility on them saying, I need this by this time, I need this by that time so that I can do my job for you, most of the time they're going to comply. They're going to be right in line to give you what you need because they want to have a good project too. So, Setting up a schedule is one of the really important things when it comes to your pre-production. Next up is confirming dates, addresses, locations, um, and and um, what's the, what's the other one? I'm I'm messing up my own words that I put here. Oh, name and contact information, you know, for everybody involved in the project. So, confirming dates very important across the board. But when you start confirming dates for um, filming, you want to make sure that you are getting the address. When you get the address, you need to put it into Google yourself because sometimes can pe people can give you faulty addresses, not on purpose, but it happens sometimes. You want to get information about the location. You want to find out, is there parking? Um, do they not like uh, white vehicles? Uh uh, are, uh, you know, is it, you know, right next to a school and they have band practice and you're trying to do interviews at this time, you want to get as much information about the location as you can, because when you want to get your equipment list together and the things that you need to think about any information that you can have beforehand is only going to make things better. And one of the key things that I think a lot of people forget about is getting the contact information for the person at the place. It's not always your client. Sometimes it's a friend of a client. Sometimes it's the building owner. Sometimes it's the landlord. And I can't count how many times I've gone to a location, didn't have the person's information. The client wasn't going to be on set until two or three hours later. And I'm just sitting there. I'm losing time. I'm freaking out. And so one thing that I always try to do is find out the person's contact information, get their, get their number, get their email if you want to go above and beyond, send them an email, say, I'm going to be arriving at this time just because, you know, at the end of the day, you got to cover your own. And so making sure that you have all the things that you need so you can be successful, there, there's going to be there's going to be nothing more that's important, you know, in that process. In the pre-production phase, you should be working. I think a lot of people know this, but you should be working on your shot list and your question list in the pre-production phase. Going back to the client kickoff call, the more that you can involve your client in the things that you're doing, the better. So when it comes to the shot list, 
I like to develop the shot list myself. I'll share it with the client and they may have some ideas that they want to input. The question list, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Um, I like to share it with them, but then at the same time, a lot of people don't understand the full process. And so developing that and having it ready during the pre-production phase is going to be very important because you don't want to just wing it. You know, when it comes to filming B-roll, you want to have a good idea of what you're filming. Uh, Also, because you're going to be able to schedule it a little bit better. You want to know what type of questions you're asking people. You know, Uh, you don't want to just be like, so what do you want to talk about? That's not going to work. You know, Uh, a lot of people that you're going to be working with have a limited amount of time. And and so you want to make sure that you're getting the key questions that you need. And so when you're building that question list, you know, I'll get into the creative development, you know, I'll say another time, but on another podcast, but, you know, the outline that you work with the client uh, should be uh, used when building that question list. And so your question list can fit into the outline that's being created for the overall narrative, the overall story. Okay. One of the last things that I think is so important in this process is requesting your client's assets before you even start filming. There's certain things that you know you're going to need. You know you're going to need their logo. You know you're going to need their color scheme. If they have a, a font choice, you're going to need that. One of the easiest things to do is to ask for your logo and branding guide. Almost every project we do, that's one of the first things we ask for. One of the reasons we ask for it in pre-production is because it takes them so long to get it to us sometime. It's the easiest thing to send over, but it takes long for some reason. And then sometimes the one they send over is incorrect or the logo is too small or you can't use it. It's better to set that up in pre-production than to figure that out once you need it in the edit. And so... When it comes to planning, you know, this is for your general project. This is not going to go across the board because every project is different. But across the board, these are some of the key elements that you need to think about when you're doing pre-production. And I really focus on this because I want to handle all these things because I know if all these checklist items are marked, then by the time we get to production and post, we're good to go. Moving on to production, which... I don't know if some people would say it's the second most important or most important, but a lot of importance is usually put on production. A lot of the clients that you work with don't think that anything happens until we get on set, but a successful project will have all that planning happen well before you even get to set that day. So that's one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have. They think you just arrive, you know, for People behind the camera, they're probably getting their equipment set up the night before and they're getting, you know, all their things ready. And so uh, this is really just the middle phase. Uh, I don't think production is the most important thing. I mean, if I had to list them, I think pre-production is the most important. I think post-production is the second most important. A lot of people would be surprised about that, but I almost think production is the least important phase. If we had to rank them, I mean, all of them are important, but. I don't think it's the most important. But when it comes to production, since we're going to treat this as if everything is important. um, No, everything is important. It's just that uh, some just have higher levels of importance. So for production, I really feel this starts before the day of the shoot. Um, I think it's really important to reach out to each team member and talk to them about what they're doing. 
And before you even do that, I like to give them a rundown. So I like to send an email that says, this is what I need from you. This is what you need to do. This is the time you need to show up on all the information. Then right before the shoot, I like to have a call with you. I don't care how many times we've worked together, how familiar you are with it. I just want to walk you through it verbally. And I'm reiterating everything that I said in my email. This just ensures that people come to set and know exactly what's going on. Then on the morning of the shoot, I think one of the most important things is for obviously you to show up on time. That's a given. But to show up before you're supposed to be there is like it's it's a beautiful thing when it can happen. Sometimes I wake up late. Sometimes it doesn't always happen. But when I can show up, for instance, if I'm if I have a call time at at 8 a.m., if I can be there at 730 chilling, drinking my coffee, just being where I'm supposed to be, confirming the address then I, I'm in a good place. And so the other reason that it's great to not only get there before you need to be there, the other key thing that I like to do is I like the to make the client's call time later than mine, if possible. If I can get access to the building, if I can get where I need to be and the client isn't there yet, I like them to get there an hour or two later because most of the time, that first hour or two we're setting up and doing, uh, you know, getting uh, equipment ready. I don't want them there for that. I want to be able to concentrate. I want to work with the team. I want everybody to do what they need to do so that we can execute. I like the client to show up maybe 30 minutes before we do our first interview. That way things are set up. They're walking in. Oh, they, oh, this looks pretty good. That's the that's the time that I like the clients to walk in. And there's no shade to the client, but I'm there working and it's better for me to be able to focus. Now, it all depends on what size team that you have. If you have multiple people, you might be able to have someone talk to the client while everybody else is doing work. But sometimes I'm a one-man band still. And so if possible, I'd like the client to get there a little bit later so that I can focus on working. So the other thing that is important that you want to make sure that you're doing, and I kind of skipped around with this, is um, you've reached out to your team uh, via email, you call them, make sure everybody has a call sheet, make sure everybody has the addresses sent to them, you know, in a calendar invite. I think that's one of the most underrated things that it's mandatory that we do that here, because when you're in the field, you don't want to be fumbling for addresses. You don't want to be looking through emails. Make it easy for the people that work with you. Make it easy for your crew. Send them a, a Google invite or whatever platform you use. Send them a calendar invite, put the call sheet in inside as an attachment and just make it easy for everybody to uh, get to where they need to be. You know, that's where you also want to make sure that your addresses are correct because you don't want your addresses incorrect on the call sheet. But those are some of the things outside of the actual filming, just the process part. Those are some of the things that I think happen in production that make it obviously important, but that gets skipped over and they're really small, but they can make a big difference. Then we get to post-production, which now we are taking all the planning, the pre-production. We're taking what we actually executed from production, and now we're putting it all together. And this is a special phase because we're going to see, we're going to find out what holes are in the project. And what I mean by holes is sometimes you might have had an idea to film something and that couldn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, you thought you would have access to a person for an interview. They're not, they're not. You know, they got nicks from the project. And so this is where everything comes together. And just like you have the client kickoff call, I think it's important to have another client call 
before you start editing. And before you have this call, it'd be great if you can go through the footage and make notes and mark it up as much as possible. So when you have that post-production call with the client, you can go over things now before they see the first cut. So if you wait to show them the problems that are going to arise in the project, by the time you give them the first rough draft or the first draft, that's a problem because it's better if you can tell them that earlier, the earlier you can tell people stuff that's going to be different than what originally was a plan was planned. You're always going to be in a better place. And so if you can have a meeting, so let's say you finish the project on a Friday and you have two weeks to work on it. It'd be great if that Monday or Tuesday, you can reach out to the client for a quick 15, 30 minute meeting. Let's talk about what we have. Let's talk about what change, what's going to change. Let's talk about those assets you were supposed to send me, but you haven't sent them yet. Let's talk about the things that I need, because now we're getting to the point where we're actually going through the edit. And uh, this is this is kind of the, the, the final lap. You know, this is where we're getting it all together. During the pre-production phase, we've already established that you're going to send the client a complete schedule. So that includes everything you're doing in pre-production. That includes everything that you do in production. And that should include all dates for post-production as well. So a client should know when are the... No, so everybody has different processes. And so some people have three rounds revisions, four, two, one, whatever you decide to do, put that on the calendar. Let them know what that date is. So they should know when they're getting their first draft. So for us, we do two rounds of revisions. So you get the first edit, you get the first draft, and then the client gives us revisions. Then they get the second draft, the client gives us revisions. Then we send the final. All those dates should be confirmed well in advance. This allows you to know how much time you need to work on something. This also protects you when you have multiple clients because you're doing so good and you need to juggle your schedule. Before, I would just look at my calendar and be like, oh, the day's open, but I also didn't use my calendar, so it didn't matter. I'm like, yep, I got those days. I can edit for you, but then I forget I'm doing a two or three day shoot or I'm working for somebody else. So when you schedule out, your whole entire post-production process, it allows you to have some sort of a life because you're maintaining your schedule. I wasn't doing that for a long time um, and it's made a world of difference and I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up for the world. One of the key things that I think a lot of people miss when they send that first draft is they don't send a complete draft. I used to do this all the time too. There'll be placeholder text, There'll be footage missing. It won't be colored. It won't be audio mixed. And at first I used to think, oh, this is the first draft. It's okay if they see a rough version of it. But now I've gotten away from that. And I give the first draft as if it's going to be the final draft. And the reason I like to do this is a couple. Number one, I have found that clients, for the most part, don't have the same uh, creative vision that you may have for certain sections of a video. So you can look at your timeline and your video and you know what's going to go there, but your client doesn't necessarily know what it's going to look like. So the sooner I can give them a full picture of what it's supposed to look like, the better for me, because I can't have a meeting, but oh, that's going to look completely different once I finish it. No, we don't have time for that. 
send them the complete draft. And what that allows you to do is by the time you get to the last revisions, depending on how many you do, in theory, each version should get a little bit simpler. They should be a little bit more simple from that standpoint because you're just making small revisions here and there. And if your pre-production and your creative development and your outline was set up correctly in pre-production phase, then that first draft that you send them should look pretty good. And that's when I know where we messed up when we send a first draft sometimes and they're like, oh, I hate it. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. And I'm like, man, why did why are all these items missing? It's not the editor's fault, even though a lot of people blame it on the editor. It comes in the planning phase. You didn't plan for all those things. You didn't ask the client enough questions. And so when you get that first draft of it, if they if your client hates it, you got to go back to the beginning. So uh, when it comes to the drafts that you're sending out, try to give them the edit as if it was going out tomorrow. It's going to save you a lot of time. And that's something that we implemented the last couple of years. And um, it allows you to put more of your effort for the edit at the beginning instead of trying to work crazy at the end. And it's it's made a world of difference. Um, one of the last things that I think is important in the process of video production is yes, you might be the, the, the videographer and the editor, but however you are a freelancer, the editor is supposed to be the king of problem solving. The editor is seeing what's missing, how we can fill in that gap, how we can come up with another idea, how we can put it together. So it still looks great. And nobody will even know that we're missing all these different elements that is what people are paying for. So when I talk about, it's not just about pressing record, it's about the process. That's part of the process that you're not going to necessarily see on the proposal. You're not going to see that when people put their bid in for their project. And it's, I feel like this video should almost be for the clients, you know, the client side of it too, but there are, there's value that you're giving your clients that they can't necessarily see. But once they've worked with you once, they'll see it and if they don't see it, they're going to work with somebody else and be like, man, they gave me a lot of problem solving skills. You know, the, the project didn't come out exactly how he wanted to, but at the end, they made sure that the video was going to work. And so I think that's that um, unknown hero uh, of post-production. An editor, a lot of people think it's just about making the video look cool. Uh, but it's also about problem solving and bringing it together so that they can still execute the vision, the goal, the mission that they have for why they're creating a video in the first place. The whole purpose of putting this episode together, you know, they, they all have a, an origin or have a motivation or something that's happened. I don't want to even say recently, but it has happened. And it gets me to thinking that a lot of people are focusing too much on just pressing record. A lot of people are just focusing on what type of cameras are we shooting in 4K? Is this going to be flat? Oh, what lens did you use? Is it anamorphic? Oh, you know, I'm shooting on Sony. I'm shooting on Canon. None of that really matters. None of that really matters at the end of the day, because if we look at the entire process of a video project, the actual recording is maybe 10 to 15 percent. The planning, the post-production, all the things that are going into it. I mean, if you look at a video production project, you're and let's say it, it runs for two months or two weeks, you're only actually filming for maybe 10% of that. 
all the things that they're all the things that they're experiencing before and after that matter too. And if you can focus on those things, it's going to make you above uh, a lot of your competition, which I think is important. I truly feel our focus on the process has elevated us. And I say us as Digifay, the production company that I work for. <laughs> it's elevated us because our process has given us more time. Uh, to work on projects. Our process has allowed us to be more creative. Our process has allowed us to keep clients happy. When people look at who they're going to choose for a project, you can't fight the people who want to just pick someone based on price. A lot of people do it. There's nothing wrong with it. We all do it in our different facets of life, but you don't want to base your video production future or process on price, one, because you'll lose. There's always someone who's willing to do it cheaper than you. And you can't build for the future in that way. And so if you start building your value on the experience and the feeling you get when you work with yourself or when that client works with you, that's what's going to win more than anything else. You know, we've slowly grown. And I say slowly because it's been a slow it's been a slow growth. But we've slowly grown to a point where the clients that we work with aren't focused on price. They're focused on value. They're, fo they're focused on feeling. They're focused on uh, experience. And they know to get a company or an individual who has all those things, it might cost a little bit more, but they have the budget to do it. And I can tell you without a doubt, you know, Digifay has been running for, oh, I almost forgot, eight years now. And I've been freelancing for over a decade. I would say I'm just getting to that point with working with those type of clients. I'd say the first seven, eight years, not necessarily, uh, or first six years. I don't know. My number game is not the strongest. That's why I'm an editor uh, and behind the camera. But I'm just getting to that point now where people are focused on the value that you bring. So uh, when you're when you're bidding on projects and, you, and you're working on building your client list, uh, focus on these items and it might be slow at first, but you're going to start to separate yourself from the pack. So as usual, I hope this is a value to you. Uh, you know, this, this idea for this episode has been uh, given to me. Um, and I, I felt like I wanted to talk about it because the process is, is a really important thing. And so um, I'm going to be making these more frequent. I don't want to have a gap like I've had uh, the last couple weeks. It's been super busy at the company, uh, but that's no excuse for making sure that we're getting this content out and helping people advance their freelancing career. Uh, once again, this is Eric D. Seals. You are listening to a filmmaker's guide to freelancing, and I'll catch you on the next one. Mm -hmm.